The title of this series is Life Hacks. The video is kind of a little bit of a, a parody there on these, these videos that maybe you've seen on Facebook or on the internet uh, called Life Hacks. And there are loads out there. In fact, actually, as I was kind of getting ready for this series, I Googled it. I was amazed at just how many different videos there are with these life hacks. And for those who have not heard of this phrase before, they're these, these clever little just ideas, just these little videos, compilation videos of ways that you can take an empty butter container and just turn it into like a walkie-talkie or something. I mean, it's just bizarre the kind of things that are out there. You can get a cotton bud and wrap your iPhone headphones around it and they'll never get tangled up and just all these amazing things. And you watch these videos and to be honest with you, I've watched some of them and thought, that is amazing. I should do that. I've never done any of them and probably never will. But when I watch them, I genuinely think that's a really good idea. I should try that sometime. But the truth is that as we watch these little life hacks, uh, we may think, wow, this is, this is so cool. You know, th these things exist. They never used to exist before this. But actually, it's nothing new. Just because Facebook has helped kind of propel them to uh, much more status than before, these aren't new. Okay, there have been life hacks around for a long time. Some of you will remember when you were younger and you played the Nintendo gaming system and that game didn't work, you had to pull out the cartridge and do what? That's right, you had to blow on it, didn't you? You blew on your cartridge, you put it back in, it was a life hack. That's how you got the game to work. How about if you had a cassette tape and no cassette player nearby, but you really wanted to rewind that tape back to the beginning, what do you do? You got a pencil. Yeah, you put it in the little spool and you spun it around and it would rewind the tape back to the beginning. Life hacks have been around for ages. In fact, we're going to discover in this series that they've been around for thousands of years. Because we are going to go back thousands of years to a man who lived um, over a thousand years before Jesus himself was born. This man, his name was Solomon. Now, despite the fact that in our introduction video, uh, Brad Mahoney does think he's the wisest man who's ever lived, uh, he's not. Uh, Ashley will tell you he's not even the wisest person in their house. Um, but the Bible says that one of the wisest men ever to live was this man, Solomon. And we're going to learn all about him this morning. We're going to find out who he is and how he gained, how he became this wise man that he was. But you see, Solomon, he was this incredibly wise man, and, and you can read a lot about him in, in the Old Testament, and he actually wrote um, several different books in the Old Testament. We're going to focus in on one collection of writings that Solomon put together, and they were called Proverbs. Proverbs, they were the original life hacks. Proverbs is this collection of sayings, this collection of, of wisdom from this wise man named Solomon, and it's not something you would read. You know, you can read... In the New Testament, for example, there are, there are four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're great books. They're, they're, they're letters written by four authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're the accounts of the life of Jesus. So you can start at the beginning, and it starts with the, the genealogy or the birth of Jesus, the Christmas story, and you can work all the way through to the end of those books, to the death of Jesus and him rising again. And it's a, it's a sequential book that you can read, a letter that kind of has a start, a middle, and an end. Now, Proverbs isn't like that. Proverbs, you don't read in that way. Proverbs, you can kind of read chunks of here and there because it's just a collection of these wonderful, wise sayings, these little nuggets of wisdom, these, these life hacks that are brought to us by this incredibly wise man by the name of Solomon. So if you've never spent any time in Proverbs before, I want to encourage you throughout this series, just, just start to take a look at that book. There's 31 chapters. 
So there is enough chapters that you could read a chapter a day every month. And then you could start right back up again. And you won't want to read more than a chapter because there's so much good stuff in it that you're going to want to digest just the one chapter that you've just read because there's some incredible wisdom that's in there. So throughout the summer, right the, way back up, right the way up to when school starts, we're going to spend time looking at some of these life hacks, some of these words of wisdom brought to us by this man, Solomon. But I want to spend the first couple of weeks, before we really dive into Proverbs, I want to spend the first couple of weeks talking about um, next week what wisdom actually is and what it isn't. But this week, I want to look at who Solomon even was. Many of us might have heard of him, but, but who was Solomon and how is it? How did he come to be this wise person um, that we now know him as? So before we get to that this morning, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever started a new job and you arrived at your first day at the office and uh, you start to talk to the people in the office and they start to tell you about the person you've replaced and how incredible they are or were? That person was amazing. Everyone at the office loved them. They were so good at their job. Oh, they were incredible. Good luck. <laughs> or maybe you've decided to coach a team and you want to be their coach and you arrive and the parents are like, oh, our last coach was brilliant. We won every game. The kids loved him. Several of the people on the team now play professional sports and it's all thanks to him, but we think you'll do good. <laughs> Maybe you start a new school as a student and all you keep hearing from the teachers is, I remember your brother. I remember your sister. She was amazing. Oh, she was fantastic. Yeah, let's hope. It's intimidating, isn't it, when you realize you've got these big shoes to fill, this reputation that's gone before you. Well, that's why we find Solomon. Where we're going to go this morning is the beginning of the life of Solomon who is stepping into a role as king of Israel to follow his dad, King David. Now, King David was incredible. King David was the David that killed Goliath. King David was the king of Israel. The Bible describes David as a man who was after God's own heart. He just loved God. God loved David. King David wrote many of the Psalms that we can read today. And then here sits Solomon about to step into his father's shoes, to sit in his father's throne. And I have a feeling that he was a little bit Nervous, maybe a little bit overwhelmed at this task that was before him. In fact, it plays out as we discover Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. We're going to read it together. It'll be up here on the screen. If you want to read along, it's in 1, chapter King, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. It starts out, it says, That night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, What do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. Now, before we go on, I want to just pause for a second on this verse. What do you want? God, the creator of the universe, is saying to Solomon. And not just that, he then says, ask, and it will be given to you. Wow. Can you imagine if God said that to you right now? If God said to you this morning, right here, right now, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. What would you ask for? I need a bigger house. I need a big house. I need a new car. I want a, a beautiful vacation with the kids. I want a beautiful vacation without the kids. I want to get away for a bit. I want one of every Apple product they've ever made. That would be my prayer. Maybe this morning here that you're a little less greedy and materialistic than me and, and, and when faced with a question like that, that you know that God will answer. Maybe your question, maybe your request of God will be a little bit more um, special, a little bit more intimate. Maybe it's God, 
Would you heal this sickness? Would you heal the sickness of this friend or this, this family member? Would you take away the pain or the guilt that I have inside? Lord, would you restore this relationship that is broken and I just can't seem to do anything right to get it right? The truth is, if we thought about this long and hard enough and we knew that God would give us whatever we asked for, we could probably come up with some pretty incredible things to ask him for. But look at what Solomon asked God for in that moment. Verse six, Solomon replied, you showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. So now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father David, but I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous that they cannot be counted. Give me, here's the request, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Can you believe that? Given the opportunity in front of God, the creator of the universe, to ask for anything, Solomon doesn't choose riches, fame, power. He says, God, I need wisdom. I need wisdom. He recognized this great responsibility of leading the people of Israel, and and he also recognized his own limitations. He said to God, who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours. Who on earth in their own strength could do this? Who, who would ever be, be good enough, powerful enough, wise enough to do this? God, I need wisdom. I think in that moment, God was just probably so impressed at Solomon's response for a couple of reasons. First, that Solomon chose to ask for wisdom over and above riches, fame, whatever it may be, he chose wisdom as his first request. But second, I think God had to be impressed because here was Solomon, the son of a king who'd grown up in a palace. I mean, if there was ever a picture of privilege, this was it in Solomon. This was a young man who very easily could have thought, I don't need any help at all. I'm David's son. I can figure this out. I can do this. But instead, we see this moment where Solomon, the the wealthiest, richest, most influential man in the kingdom, the new king of Israel, says, God, I can't do this. I recognize my own limitations, and I need your help. I need wisdom. That's a powerful thing. I don't know if any of you enjoy playing golf, okay? I'm, I'm not the world's best golfer. In fact, I'm not even this room's best golfer. I'm really not a very good golfer at all. Um, I've got some things in my life that I know I'm really bad at, and I've got some things in my life that I know I'm pretty good at, and golf kind of sits right there in the middle of the two. It's one of the most frustrating things I can do because what I've discovered when playing golf, okay, is that uh, the object of the game is to go out onto the fairway, onto the greens and uh, the golf course, and you basically have 
have a stick that you hit a little white ball 50 or 60 or 70 times, in my case, 120, 130, 140 times around the, the golf course with the, the goal of getting the ball in the hole. Well, here's the thing about me and golf. Here's why the game's so frustrating, okay? I will hit that ball 10 times. The first one will go left, the second one will go right, the third one won't go anywhere, the fourth one goes behind me. I mean, it's just a nightmare. And then suddenly, I don't feel like I'm doing anything different. I'll hit that thing and it will, I mean, the sound is like the TV when you're watching the professional golf. You just hit that, and it just sat, and the ball floats like in an arc straight. And I'm like, how did I do that? And that's why it's so frustrating, because I know that I can do it. I just don't know how to do it again. I'd rather never hit a good shot in my life and at least know that I'm rubbish at golf than hit just that one good shot and know that I possibly could do that. Now, there's actually a way to figure out how to do that. It's called coaching, okay? Someone can actually tell me why sometimes I hit it right and sometimes I don't. When I was younger, I played a lot of golf with my dad. My dad loves to play golf. So we would be out there and I'd hit left, right, backwards, forward, you know, and he'd be like, try straightening your arm, try doing this. Try doing... And I'm like, dad, I don't need your help, I got this. And being the typical son that I was, I just didn't want to know anything about it. I mean, I just kept saying, Dad, I know, that. I know what to do, I know what to do. Now, if I had listened a little bit more, maybe I'd figure out how it is that every now and again I hit it well. But I wasn't prepared to admit that I needed the help, which is why I'm standing here before you today and not on some PGA tour somewhere in the country. But that wasn't Solomon. Solomon didn't say, no, I've got this. I can figure this out. I'll work it out myself. He said, God, I need your help. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? If I'd have ever just said, who by himself is able to figure out this great game of yours? I might actually be a decent golfer. But I was never prepared to say that. Solomon, he said, God, I need your help. I think that impressed God, recognizing that this king still needed the help of God. In fact, we're going to learn a lot over the next week about wisdom. And the truth is that you will take away as much as you want to take away out of this series. If, like Solomon, you can sit here and say, you know, I need to, to be better in this area. I need to learn more. I need to grow more. Then there is a chance that you will learn and grow in wisdom over the coming weeks. But if you sit here and say, you know what? I figured it all out. I don't need any help. I got it. I don't need wisdom. Then you're going to miss out on some great things that God can teach you. So let's see how God responded when, when Solomon asked for wisdom. In verse 10, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you've asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. And I will give you what you did not ask for. I'll give you riches and fame. No other king in all of the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. So God not only answered God's prayer and said, yes, I'll give you the wisdom you want. He went ahead and gave Solomon everything else that he didn't ask for. Now some of you are like, all right, I get it. God I want wisdom. Show me the money. Come on, come on. Now, this isn't like a formula thing, and that's how it works. You ask for wisdom, and it's like jackpot. Everything else comes. But in this instance, Solomon, in his heart, said, God, I, need, I cannot do this without you. 
And God saw that heart of humility and teachability and desire to, to grow. And he said, I will, give, I will not just give you wisdom. I will make you the most powerful, wise, rich king that there can be. There's just something about when we ask God for help, when we ask God for wisdom, when we say, God, I don't want to figure it out by myself. I need your help in my life. James, uh, a guy in the New Testament, he was actually the brother of Jesus. Okay, so he was Jesus' brother, and he wrote an entire book in the New Testament. And I always listen very carefully to what James has to say, because if you've grown up and you've got a brother, and uh, you then decide that he is the son of God, and you choose to worship this brother, I mean, that you've, Jesus had to be Jesus, okay, for James to be like, yes, my brother, I will worship him. And James talks about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and what it means to, to worship Jesus. And the book he writes is incredibly wise. There's some really practical, just wise things that James talks about with how to speak, how to use your tongue, how to treat other people, uh, wealth, all sorts of things. But in the very beginning of James, James chapter 1, verse 5, he says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. James is kind of suggesting here that there are some things that if you ask God for, that he may rebuke you. Maybe it's a selfish motivation. Maybe you're asking for something you shouldn't be asking for. But if you ask for wisdom, he will not rebuke you. He is a generous God who wants to give you the wisdom you're asking for. When we ask God for wisdom, it's a prayer he wants to answer. You know, immediately after God's response to Solomon's request for wisdom, we actually read of an opportunity where Solomon had um, the very first opportunity to put this wisdom that God has given him into practice. You see, one of Solomon's duties as king in those days was to, to settle disputes, to resolve disagreements. He was basically, he was like the Judge Judy of his day, okay? He was, people came before him with their disagreements, and, and Solomon's job was to kind of oversee them and, and to rule. And, and in this particular story, and you may be familiar with this one, there were two ladies, and they both lived together, and they both had babies. And uh, during the night, one of the ladies woke up to see that her baby had died. She was distraught, she, her baby had died, but she saw the other lady was still asleep and her baby was alive, so in the night, she switched the babies. So the next morning, the other lady wakes up, she sees this dead baby, she's mortified, but when she looks closer, she realizes, this isn't my baby. She looks at the other lady's baby, she goes, hey, that's my baby. She goes, no, it's my baby. And this dispute begins between the two of them over whose baby it really is. So off they go to see Solomon. They explain the whole thing of what's happened and says, Solomon, what should we do? And listen to how Solomon responds. It says, then the king said, let's get the facts straight. Both of you claim the living child is yours and each says that the dead one belongs to the other. All right, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to the king. Then he said, cut the living child in two and give half to one woman and half to the other. Then the woman who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much cried out, Oh no, my Lord, give her the child. Please do not kill him. But the other woman said, All right, he will be neither yours nor mine. Divide him between us. Then the king said, Do not kill the child, but give him to the woman who wants him to live. For she is his mother. When all Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom God had given him for rendering justice. You know, this small story that maybe some of you are very familiar with, this small moment was an incredible insight into the wisdom of Solomon. It 
became something he became famous for in that area. You see, in those days, uh, leaders would have the scriptures, the Old Testament, they could look to for advice. You know, you could look and say, well, God decreed that this is how this should be settled, so this is how we'll settle it. But in this moment, there was no kind of biblical precedent. This wasn't like a lawyer who could go back and say, well, in in this case versus this case, this is how it was um, resolved, so we'll go to that. There was no precedent for how to deal with something like this. And Solomon comes up with this idea. This wonderful idea about cutting the baby in half, knowing that the one mother who the baby didn't really belong to couldn't care. If anything, she would kind of feel vindicated. So then it's like, well, if I can't have my baby, then she can't have hers either. But the other mother was so in love with her as a mother with this baby that she said, I'd rather see someone else raise my child than see that baby die. People would have spoken about it. That's the kind of story that in that region would have spread all around the area. The story is still being spoken about today. It's still involved in our culture. It's amazing. As I was studying for this, how many places I saw this story crop up. I discovered that there was an episode of Seinfeld where the whole episode was based around a bike that Elaine owned. And Kramer helped fix her neck, a pain she had in her neck. So she gave him the bike, but then her pain came back. So she took the bike back. And then they're arguing over the bike. So they call Newman in to adjudicate as to who should really have the bike. And Newman says, here's what we'll do. We'll cut the bike in half. Kramer can have half, and Elaine can have the other half. And Elaine says, good, cut it in half. And Kramer says, no, let Elaine have the bike. And Newman says, then Elaine, you don't get the bike. Kramer, you get the bike. It's like a a Seinfeld version of this story. There was another great theologian who, who had something to say about this story. Check out this clip. King Solomon, these men need you to settle a dispute. They each claim ownership of this pie. The pie shall be cut in two. Then each man shall receive death. I'll eat the pie. So Homer's version was a little bit different than the biblical version there, as you can see. But, but you can see how this, this story for thousands of years is still influencing culture. It's still being spoken about today. God said to Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3, I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. And thousands of years from now, people will still be talking about your wisdom and how you resolved that situation with the two ladies and their baby. That's powerful wisdom. And it all began, it all started when Solomon, the son of David, a king sat on a throne in a palace who could snap his fingers and get anything he wanted, said to God, I don't have the one thing I really need. I lack wisdom. I realize this role you've given me is a very important role and I need wisdom. And God saw his humility and said, I will give you wisdom and far more. So here's the challenge I've got for you as we we start out this series. This is a challenge that any one of us can follow. You may be here this morning just kind of checking things out. You may not even identify yourself as a Jesus follower this morning, but you can still follow through on this. Because God listens to all prayers. He doesn't just listen to the prayers of those that call him uh, Father. He listens to all of our prayers. And there's a prayer I want you to pray. It's a very simple prayer. God, give me wisdom. 
Not because I want to try and, you know, strong arm you into giving me money and riches and death to my enemies. You know, that's not why I'm asking. I'm genuinely asking because, God, I need wisdom in my life. And here's the crazy thing. Next Sunday, if you come back, we're actually going to talk about what wisdom is and what it isn't. So in the meantime, be praying for what you may not even realize you need or what it is. But in the meantime, be saying, God, give me wisdom. It's a prayer I pray. If you're the praying kind, then maybe as part of your prayers each day, you can add that to it. If you're not, maybe it's something you could do in the shower as you're driving to work or uh, over a cup of coffee in the morning before your day starts, at night before your head hits the pillow. Just, God, would you give me wisdom in my life? I recognize that I need you. I need wisdom. I need wisdom to be a better husband, a better dad, a better wife or mother, a better employee, a better member of this community, whatever it might be, God, I need some wisdom. You don't have to go too far in this world to realize there is a, uh, a lot of chaos and confusion out there. And I think our communities and our country and our families are looking for some with the wisdom of Solomon, the wisdom, godly wisdom to make wise decisions in all that we do. So let's pray. Father, as we spend these next few weeks looking at the life hacks of Solomon, Proverbs that were written thousands of years ago, Lord, I'm excited that we're going to realize that there are some truths and some wisdom that Solomon came across and wrote down that still apply today, that can still impact our lives today. So Lord, I pray that everyone here would would do that, would just say, God, would you help me? Would you give me some wisdom? I'm not even sure completely yet what that even means. And over the coming weeks, we'll find out more about what wisdom is and what it isn't and how it can work in our lives. But in the meantime, Lord, I know I need it. I know that to be the person I am right now, I've got two choices. I could try and do it in my own strength or I could try and do it with your help and your wisdom. So Lord, I pray that we would all have the humility to ask for that help and to ask for that wisdom. And then we would see how that wisdom plays out in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.